This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Bungani in Washington. Thank you so much for joining us today. After his recent Twitter takeover, billionaire Elon Musk is making some changes to the platform. For one, he says that Twitter will start charging for its blue service, which includes the verified badge. But what will this and other changes mean for the millions of Africans that use the platform? And the idea that um, Twitter as a platform does not need um, any form of uh, content moderation is, is an absurdity and it's something that will leave the platform to be much worse than it is. That is Brian Obilo, a Kenyan cybersecurity engineer. He joins us from Nairobi. We'll talk about some of the changes coming to Twitter and what it will mean for the continent. We'll look at two main areas, content moderation on the platform and how the new subscription fee will impact most Gen Zs and millennials who we often refer to as digital natives. How many will actually afford the fees and will this widen the already existing digital divide? But first, let's hear your voices. According to the World Bank, the top 10 countries in the world with the highest wealth inequality, as measured by the Gini Index, are in Africa. We asked you to speak on some of the causes and ways to reduce income inequality in your country. Barbara Kelvin Anafula from uh, Uganda, specifically the eastern part of Uganda. When it comes to income inequality in Uganda, it's really a very big problem because income inequality is everywhere, but the gap in Uganda is really huge, it's really big. And if I'm to refer to the poverty map that was produced by uh, the Uganda Bureau of Statistics, you find that region-wise, um, some regions are doing better than the others. So that really shows that there is already um, income inequality. Because when you look at the eastern part of Uganda, where I come from, uh, it's one of the regions that is experiencing the highest rates of poverty. And that is very true because when you go to, to, to the eastern part of Uganda, you'll find that this is a place whereby the roads are not doing good. So you find that if the roads are affected, uh, the people cannot do their commercial work properly. When it comes to agriculture being the backbone of, of, of Uganda, you find that uh, there is less motivation because uh, people cannot carry out trade so as to increase their income. So many of us, the youth, are being affected by uh, lack of jobs. You find that uh, recently there's been graduation, but you wonder where most of the graduates are going to to go after you ask yourself what's next so we need more of the hands-on if we are going to actually increase the income in our country and hence close up that gap we need our curriculum revised so that there is more of the vocationals and also the uh, uh, there is need uh, for government to do awareness uh, my name is Nicholas Rutaya Income inequality, yes, it's a, it is a, it's a problem in our country, and the only way we can we can solve it is is by distributing resources equally to all to all the areas of the country. Like most of the ministries offices are all located here in, in Kampala, so that means that people have to people have to move from the villages to come to to come to Kampala. 
like to look for jobs. So you will find that here in Kampala, there are so many rich people than in the village. You get. Many thanks to you for sending in your opinions. This is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vongani. Now, less than a month after completing the purchase of social media network Twitter, billionaire Elon Musk announced this week that the platform will charge $8 a month for its blue service, which includes the verified badge. He says that this will boost subscriptions and make the social media network less reliant on ads. Musk says that the price will be adjusted by, quote, country proportionate to purchasing power parity, end quote. However, analysts worry that a majority of Twitter users in Africa, the continent has over 100 million users, would not be able to afford to pay the fees. They say that this would inadvertently contribute to the already increasing digital divide on the continent. Brian Obilo, a Kenyan cybersecurity engineer and Mozilla Tech and Society Fellow, says that he's worried about the disinformation and misinformation on the platform. He tells me that Twitter was already doing a poor job moderating in English, let alone the thousands of languages spoken and used in Africa and on the platform. So, Brian, the reason why I wanted to have you on the show today was to get your reaction to uh, the news that Elon Musk had taken over Twitter. Uh, what is what was your reaction, but also what is the conversation like in Kenya on this particular issue? Yes, um, I was very uh, at at first I was very surprised when he mentioned that he had uh, the intentions of uh, uh, acquiring Twitter. Um, I feel like it was very unexpected uh, because um, I, I think even before he acquired Twitter, he wrote a very long thread of some of the changes that he would want to see on Twitter himself uh, around almost the same time that he wanted or joined the Twitter board itself. Um, and for me, I think I've been very apprehensive with Elon Musk's move uh, to acquire Twitter because for one, um, I knew that he wanted to make uh, certain changes on the platform itself, mm. but I had no idea uh, what some of these changes would be, but uh, some of the main ones that he had been discussing about in the past were issues such as uh, content moderation. Um, I know another thing that he was unhappy about um, in the platform it itself was uh, the bot problem. And he had previously written threads on Twitter about uh, uh, Twitter's verification process and how he thinks that, uh, how he feels it should be tweaked to be better. So for me, for the most part, I, I have been apprehensive, just waiting to, to get more information on how he wants to approach, uh, how he wants to uh, define Twitter and how he wants to sort of improve things that he feels could be improved. And we'll get to that later on in, in, in our conversation, but how much do Kenyans use Twitter and, and for what purposes mostly? Um, a, a lot of Twitter is one of the most significant social media uh, platforms uh, in Kenya. So for one, they, they use it as a form of, uh, as a form and means of communication. Uh, they use it to disseminate um, information. 
And even Twitter itself is a vital social media platform for access to information, where we have key, uh, uh, key, key companies and governmental bodies that use Twitter to disseminate um, information to the Kenyan users. So for example, um, in Kenya, we have the Directorate of Criminal Investigations, and they write Twitter threads about um, some of the investigations they have done, and it's one of the best examples of uh, the use of Twitter for access to information purposes. By public and, uh, by, by public officials, yes. And also, it's important to note that um, Twitter also serves as a crucial platform for citizen accountability. So we have uh, millions and millions of uh, Kenyan Twitter users who use uh, Twitter for this particular purpose. And it's important to also say that Twitter is beloved among Kenyans. I feel like Kenyans genuinely love Twitter. And there is a huge population of Kenyans who believe that uh, Twitter has promoted freedom of speech in Kenya. Because even our, our outgoing president, President Uhuru Kenyatta, uh, we drove him off Twitter. We drove him off the platform. He quit Twitter because he said that um, Kenyans on Twitter are bullying him. So you can see, you can definitely uh, conclude that Kenyans love Twitter and they use it because they yes. feel like they have the freedom of speech to use the platform itself. So like you say, Kenyans are, Kenya has one of uh, the most active uh, Twitter communities. Uh, uh, you just came out of an election uh, what role did Twitter play in how voters engaged with their candidates? Um, it played a huge role. It played a huge role because we saw uh, digital campaigns happening on Twitter where um, aspirants of uh, multiple positions were leveraging the platform to sort of uh, reach the Kenyan electorate. We also saw... Uh, some some negatives on Twitter where we witnessed some elements of uh, disinformation campaigns uh, against uh, certain political parties, certain ideologies by politicians, or even certain disinformation campaigns around politicians. So around the uh, the Kenyan election, we witnessed both positives and negatives. But uh, overall, I think um, Twitter played uh, a key role in the election in the electioneering period because it was mostly one of the key places where people were getting information around the elections itself. I'm very interested in understanding why Kenyans uh, uh, were very critical of, uh, of, uh, of a former president Uhuru to the point where he was forced off the platform. What, what, what happened? Was it that they were asking so many questions? Was it that they were engaged in incendiary rhetoric against him? Uh, and, and what is that an example of? What was the lesson to take from that? One thing that I can say for sure is that it's not one particular incident that pushed uh, President Uhuru Kenyatta, a former President Uhuru Kenyatta, away from the platform, but it's uh, multiple instances of um, uh, people just trying to hold him in, into account because there are so many mistakes that um, happened inside what we call the Jubilee government, which is the government that uh, Uhuru Kenyatta was in charge of. And he was heavily criticized all over the place, but um, Twitter became sort of like a public square where it effectively brought people together to be able to 
effectively criticized um, his, his government and his leadership. And also because of the freedom of speech, the kind of freedom of speech we have in the country, people are also making him into memes. And I'm not sure how he felt when he was essentially mimified by uh, millions of his electorate. So I, I think that very brutal. <laughs> it can be very brutal. Yeah. In case you're just joining us, this is Upfront on the Voice of America. I'm Jackson Vungani. We're still chatting with Brian Obilo, a cybersecurity engineer and researcher based in Nairobi, Kenya. Now, one of the changes that uh, Elon Musk wants to introduce uh, to Twitter is that he wants to start charging for verification, the blue tick. Everybody wants that blue tick. How will yes. that impact African users who might not necessarily have the $20? I think he's proposing nineteen. 1999, whatever figure yes. it is, how do you see that affecting uh, Twitter users on the continent? Kenya is, for example, let me give an example of Kenya because Kenya is, is an African country in itself. We have a huge chunk of our population that lives um, on less than $1 in a day. So for you to charge $20 for Twitter verification in a month, just by that metric alone, that is very expensive. And it's going to be very expensive for, for so many uh, Kenyans on Twitter to be able to, to afford it. Mm. So, and, and Kenya is one of the quote unquote richer African countries compared to the other ones. And over the years, um, it's very, very important to have had the verification feature on Twitter because uh, it was easier. Like for example, in the election process, uh, it really helped that some accounts were verified because one, it meant that they are trusted sources of information. Um, and two, it also meant that um, these accounts are, are valid and these are the accounts that you should be following because there were instances where we have parody accounts that have more followership than the original, uh, than the account of the original person. So for example, you're Jackson um, Vungani, you have someone who has a parody account that has a more followership than you. And then they have all these thousands of people who think they're following you, but then they're weaponizing your account to sort of um, spread this information. And I was actually having uh, multiple conversations with uh, with uh, journalists and activists, and they say that the potential of of them being easily undermined now that they have to pay for verification is is actually easy because there are instances where um, these organizations uh, that may that you may be exposing, for example, for things such as corruption or disinformation maybe having access to your identifiable personal information, especially if they're governmental institutions. And there is a possibility that they, they can now set up um, an account as you and just pay the $20 and be verified as yourself. Mm. And they could be using uh, such kinds of setup to sort of try and counter your work. So there's a lot of fear that um, this kind of model can be easily can be easily weaponized oh, by weaponized, yes. 
yeah. yes, exploited uh, by certain organizations. We're still chatting with Brian Obilo, a cybersecurity engineer and researcher based in Nairobi, Kenya. Twitter is making some changes, including charging a monthly fee for verification. But there's also the important issue of content moderation. In the past, Musk, who calls himself a free speech absolutist, has been critical of the amount of content moderation on the platform. It therefore came as no surprise when media reports earlier this week suggested that some content enforcement work on the platform had been frozen. In fact, the Network Contagion Research Institute, an organization that works to identify cyber social threats, reported that hateful content on Twitter had skyrocketed and the use of the N-word has increased by nearly 500%. So what does this portend for the platform and the millions of Africans that use it to gather reliable news and information? I put that question to Brian. It's important to mention that uh, uh, Africa as a continent is a continent where people speak thousands of different languages. And Twitter has over time proven that they have not sort of had the capacity to even have enough people to uh, be able to effectively content moderate in all these different thousands of languages that are spoken in Africa. So what this essentially has meant is that um, as much as Twitter in some instances is able to be able to uh, uh, moderate content in certain languages, uh, such as English and Swahili, they have failed in other thousands of languages that uh, that are spoken in in the continent in, in itself. And why is this important? This is important because um, they have not been doing content moderation effectively in the continent. So if they start saying that, you know, they are going to be downsizing the workforce and bringing the workforce down, then there is a huge chance that their existing content moderators who are absolutely not even doing enough work as it is, some of them may lose their job. And this essentially means that uh, Twitter as a platform may not be better for it. Um, and the idea that um, Twitter as a platform does not need um, any form of uh, content moderation is, is an absurdity. And it's something that will leave the platform to be much worse than it is. What would you love to see uh, Elon Musk do to improve the platform? If you were to give him advice, what could he do for this platform that would make it better as a public square of conversation and engagement? Um, definitely. I, I, I think we need more of a presence in Africa. We need more content moderation than in more uh, African languages. Uh, I, I know they now have a presence in, in, in certain African countries, but it's absolutely not enough. Uh, we have too many countries and too many languages are spoken, and we are a continent of um, two billion, uh, two billion people at, at the very least. So there's um, uh, a lot of uh, promise in improving the content moderation in Africa, and they should not see Africans as a liability to this effect, but they should see. Africa as uh, as any other market um, that you know they 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 exist in uh, because we are important and we deserve um, as much attention as uh, the other places of 
uh, of the world. So yeah, I genuinely believe that um, Elon Musk can put more effort in content moderation. I know he spoke that he was creating uh, a content uh, moderation committee to, to make decisions on certain steps regarding content moderation. So I'm not sure if this committee is going to be making uh, global decisions or it's going to be like a, a localized committee based in America. But another thing that, that I'd want to see personally is uh, more diversity in that committee. I want to see people from all political inclinations, if uh, at the very least they're not impartial. Uh, I'd like to see people who are very level-headed and people who will come together to make the best decisions that would drive Twitter forward and make it a much more positive platform for every single user across the world. Mm. So, yes, now, these are some of the things I want to see. If he doesn't institute some of these changes, like you said, um, I think there's a consensus, obviously, uh, reading some of the comments uh, over the last couple of days, uh, that uh, uh, basically on on they many people agree with what you're saying that they there's need for more content moderation even though uh 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 elon musk came in saying that this you know he's kind of opposed to you know too much moderation um but are you worried do, do you see this platform at some point becoming irrelevant with people leaving if they're not able to contain some of these impulses or instincts by people uh, who are using it for the wrong reasons or using it for disinformation and all kinds of purposes, do you worry that the power and clouds and influence that Twitter had on public conversation that that of that you know that will start we see will start to see a decrease in that over the coming years um, i I don't think. So for for people to start leaving Twitter, um, I, I think they it will only happen once they feel like it is it is a platform that they cannot trust anymore. Uh, it's a platform that they cannot believe in, and it's a platform where they potentially cannot interact with the people that they would want to interact with effectively. Um, I just don't see this. Uh, I I don't see this happening in the near future because. For one thing, I feel like Elon Musk has proven time and time again that he he is willing to learn um, from from his mistakes and he's willing to, um, at the very least, uh, incorporate feedback from people who may have much more understanding uh, on a niche topic uh, as opposed to him. Like, for example, how he would listen to his specs, uh, SpaceX and uh, Tesla engineers or even the boring company engineers. So I, I genuinely believe that um, he he may he by like for example him setting up the the committee for content moderation is an indication of this. He understands that um, as Elon Musk, um, just by virtue of him now owning Twitter, as much as he has the control, he cannot move forward just by himself and say that. I am going to handle content moderation as myself, and this is the direction we are going to go, and this is what you're going to follow. By setting a committee, it means that he he's open to bringing professionals on board. And I, I genuinely don't see 
a situation where he would fail if he keeps on engaging the professionals. But then if he ends up being a dictator and he makes the wrong, uh, the wrong moves and he's uh, unable to evolve with the times, then there is a high possibility that uh, we will have people stop using Twitter because they don't find uh, Twitter useful anymore. And even though that platform that they may be moving to may not exist, we see uh, new platforms coming up every day. and Including a platform yes. that is in the works by uh, Jack Dorsey, the, the guy who created uh, Twitter himself. Right. Yes, yes, he's he's making a new protocol, a new decentralized um, sort of uh, social blockchain, media protocol. Yeah, yeah, like a blockchain. yeah that leverages blockchain, yeah. and it, it's it's one to watch out for for sure. But I also have to add that um, uh, Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk are should be very good friends, and they, I think, what brought them together was probably their love for decentralization and building the public square for for the world and if jack dorsey is in elon musk's corner or one of the people who are in elon musk's corner then i i have no doubt that um twitter may be headed in the right direction maybe not straight away Mm, but eventually they'll get there brian thank you so much for taking time to chat with us brian obilo is a kenyan cyber security engineer and researcher based in kenya he joined us from the capital nairobi and as we end our show today let's head to zimbabwe in the city of bulawayo that's where Columbus Mavunga brings us the story of Kenisani Kali Ndlovu, a Zimbabwean man who built a shredder that helps turn the mounds of trash in his city into useful items. Troubled by the plastic waste in the streets of his city, Bulawayo, 34-year-old Kenisani Kali Ndlovu, quit his lucrative construction business and is now using his backyard to recycle plastic into items used by school children. In five years' time, Mumtawa Recycling will probably be producing uh, sports equipment, um, uh, recycled uh, for, for educational purposes. Uh, you're mentioning your kids' counters, you're mentioning your, your book holders, and uh, we're looking at uh, sitting areas for, for school children, particularly outdoors. Glove collects plastics from his neighborhood and from schools near his home in Bulawayo and feeds it into a shredder. From there, the material is melted down and molded into items such as outdoor benches for school children. Glover's efforts are applauded by Adam Sakala, the parent of a Bulawayo student. This program is so helpful because it keeps the school clean. Yes, and also the school children, you know, since they always throw the booklets around, so by collecting these booklets, it, it clears all the dirt and the pollution also by the school. For years now, authorities in Zimbabwe have struggled to dispose of plastic. Kangison Dovo is the cleansing superintendent of the city of Bulawayo. He says his council is putting in place policies to encourage private companies and volunteers to go into recycling business. Plastic waste is one of uh, the waste that is giving us serious problems as the city of Blauai, because in everywhere where you go, you will meet plastic waste. In the streets of the CPD, 
in the residential areas all over the place there's plastic waste. The same is true for Zimbabwe's capital city of Ararem, where Insani Kalin Lovo hopes to move and establish a recycling business there to fight plastic waste which is troubling the country. Columbus Mavunga for viewing news Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. That's it for this episode of Upfront on the Voice of America. Many thanks to all of you, our listeners, and our guests and correspondents from around the continent. For more current news and analysis, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Connect with us on all social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Instagram at VOA Upfront. Until next time, I'm Jackson Vungani in Washington, wishing you a great week ahead, Africa. Join host Larry London. Larry London. On Border Crossings, VOA's only worldwide music request hour. Every weekday at 1500 Universal. Tune in for the biggest hits and amazing artists. Win prizes and get the latest news from exclusive celebrity interviews. Send your requests to Facebook at VOA Larry London. Twitter at Border Crossings or Instagram at Border Crossings VOA or call 202-619-2077 and have your favorite music played to the entire world. Ah. Don't miss Border Crossings every weekday at 1500 Universal only on The Voice of America.